0: Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. The
1: price you paid for my life God's perfect sacrifice Sufficient for me The blood of God to atone My sin you made your own You have sent me You alone have risen, you alone have saved us You alone have rescued us from the grave Glories to reign now, all creation cries out You alone
0: Good Saturday afternoon to you, Treasure Valley. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. The first part of this show is we tell you what Victory Over Sin is and who funds us. Victory Over Sin is funded by the Southwest Council for St. Vincent de Paul here in the Treasure Valley. And what we do, what we're mandated to do, if you will, is to let you, the listener, understand what it's like to be on parole and to come out of the prison system. Uh, We take that role very seriously, and we do it in a couple different ways. One is this radio show that has been going for almost two and a half years now. If you go to the archives of KBXL or if you go to Systemic Change of Idaho, you can see all the shows that are listed there, and you can listen to them. It is a nice group of work, if you will, in terms of addressing people who are friends of the people who we call returning citizens and agencies that support them, uh, government officials, elected officials, even for that matter. Uh, And it's a good collective view, let's say, of people who help people who are returning citizens. It's an interesting thing. It's a good work, uh, body of work, if you will. Uh, We also do a PowerPoint that we will present to any service group, any church, any business for that matter, in which we will come out and present a 20-minute PowerPoint presentation, which is delivered by a returning citizen themselves, and what that does is highlight the issues that affect those of us who have come out of incarceration, specifically here in Idaho, because we contend that you, the general public, do not know what it's like to come out of prison, nor what how much of an issue that is in your tax dollars and how big of an issue that is here in the state of Idaho. So the cool thing about that is, is that you'll see this returning citizen kind of stand up a little prouder, a little stronger, because they're talking about something they've experienced. And then you can ask that person questions. Hopefully, everybody learns a little bit more about the pr- process. Like I would assume that many of you do not know that in this country there are seventy million people with a felony conviction. That's a major number in terms of the nation. And here in Idaho, we're in the top three. Per capita of people who incarcerate uh, our population, so we're way up there. We've got a lot of people in prison. We have a lot of people on parole, and we're anxious to share that information with you. And we do that. One of the things we do that you can come by our offices, which are at eighty six twenty West Emerald Suite One. And that's in Boise, corner of Benjamin and Emerald, if you will. Come by there between 9 and 12, and you can pick up an offender resource guide. We've just updated it. It's got 40 pages in it. And that is like a resource guide for people getting out of incarceration. Come by and pick one of those up, and that might help you or somebody that you know that needs resources for getting out of incarceration. In that location, we try to be the first stop, if you will, for everybody coming out of incarceration. Everybody on our staff has been incarcerated, everybody understands the system, and so it's a good link for people to connect with as they get out of incarceration. You will also find, if you've been listening to me over a period of time, that we have a strong association with a national organization called Just Leadership USA, and what they do is take incarcerated people and make better leaders out of them. We're going to get to talk to a lady today who is... A cohort with me on the project is also a fellow, and I'm excited to do it. And I think we'll save some of that explanation for when she's here in just one minute.
2: The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's one in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call Returning Citizens Resources, and coffee shop. We offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith, their recovery, and to begin their new life as our neighbor. It's designed for the offender's first stop from the institution. If you'd like to help us help them, please contact Mark Rennick at 629-8861. That's area code 208-629-8861. And if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition, we pay for that call. Okay,
0: I am excited to have my friend from St. Louis, Stephanie Vergannon, here. How are you?
3: I'm doing well, Mark. This Great is to a see very
0: you. special day. Who would have known that we'd be sitting here in studio together? I was—I always thought we'd do it by radio at some point in time, but that's so—I'm so happy to have you here. Stephanie is a leader, an advocate, and a collaborator. She is from Kirkwood, Missouri. And although I hold this against her, she's a Missouri Tiger, (laughs) which is, and most people know I'm a Kansas Jayhawk. So we've actually overcome our differences and become pretty good friends over time. Yes. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about Stephanie and your background uh, about yourself.
3: Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And oh, no,
0: this is an absolute pleasure. Delight for me.
3: Boise, Idaho. Oh, beautiful Boise. Really, really a great spot. Um, yeah, so my name is Stephanie Reganon, and I actually work in agriculture and have for close to 20 years, which is what brings me to Boise, is actually my, my real job, what I call my real job. Um, but Mark and I met, and and I also work in the space of criminal justice reform, and specifically through a foundation I started, um, my mother and my family experienced a particularly tragic and eye-opening experience with the justice system, and um, it was through that experience I decided to get more involved and to start an organization that helps um, children and incarcerated individuals.
0: And the name of that organization is?
3: Ava's Grace Scholarship.
0: Tell us a lot about that, because you've done tremendously successful.
3: Well, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so we give college scholarships to children who have or have had an incarcerated parent, and they are for use at four-year institutions, two-year associates degrees, and even trade and technical schools. Through 2018, we have sponsored 40 different students and committed over 800 thousand in funding. And in 2019, we will surpass one million dollars in committed funding. It's amazing! It's um, it's really been an honor.
0: Yeah, you. I just to watch you kind of grow and, and all that and the. Well, I've only known you for a couple of years now, but to watch how that's grown, that's just really really special. Yeah, the story that got you to Just Leadership USA—do you mind sharing any of that, or
3: absolutely? Okay,
0: because you were to be. A part, Just Leadership USA is designed to enhance the leadership skills of people who have been incarcerated, and you're one of those rare sort of exceptions where you weren't incarcerated. Do you want to share a little bit about that?
3: Absolutely. So, um, I had been following the work of Glenn Martin for quite some time. You can't really be in this space and not, mm-hmm. not know of Glenn. And I really admired the work of Just Leadership USA. And as I had gotten to a point in my life where not only did I want to continue to focus on the children, um, because, it is, it is so true that if we invest in children, we can literally stop cycles almost dead in their tracks. Um, I wanted to continue to do that, but I also knew that I had a pretty unique voice in the space of criminal justice reform. Um, I'm white, middle class, mm-hmm. um, and I have a career totally outside of, of this issue. And so I applied for the program. And I was fully aware that I had never been incarcerated, but my mother, you know, through my family, I'd had this direct experience. I had also had my own run-ins with the law, but had just never been incarcerated for them. And I was really aware of the fact that had I been from a different part of the country, if I looked different, if my socioeconomic status had been different, that I may have been incarcerated for those things. And so that's what brought me to the application and then this truly life-changing experience.
0: Yeah. uh, And I can't. Um, I'm so happy you're here, too, because we've been doing a lot of the shows, and we've had Ronald on, and Glenn's been on, uh, but you and I articulating what we went through, because here's what happened. Um, Stephanie and I applied, and I think there were 200 people apply and ended up taking 30 of us or something like that the year that we were in, and we were selected, and so what we did was go back to New York four times in 2018, and we did remote work uh, uh, via webcam and stuff like that to to create it. But speak a little bit to um, our group and to the almost fraternal bonding that went together with a very diverse group of people mm-hmm. from across the country.
3: So as I mentioned, I was at a place where I really wanted to, to use my voice for the greater good, but I was pretty unsure of myself in that. And um, that experience gave me the confidence, um, to not only use my voice in, in different ways and perhaps use it louder than I had been, but it also gave me a nationwide network of individuals who know what we have all been through, who are experiencing different challenges with nonprofits we have founded with people we're serving, um, helping us get connected to funding and, you know, other key stakeholders. And there really is like a brotherhood, sisterhood bond between our classmates and, and this broader alumni community that I frankly wasn't expecting. I was in it for the I, leadership development.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm i like you. I just – I sat in a room in, in one of the emerging leader uh, groups in Chicago about three years ago, and I was telling Stephanie that before. And it was like suddenly I was in a room with 45 people who had been incarcerated, and I felt this is it. I've found this, and I remember people struggling and lobbying to get into the next class or whatever. I'm thinking, what are they talking about? And uh, some of those people are in our class. And um, it was such a powerful situation, but I knew I wanted to be a part of it. And I can't speak enough to the fact of what it changed. It changed you dramatically. It changed me dramatically. And I almost think it changed everybody who was in the group dramatically. Some people almost. We lost a couple in our group, which is unusual. But we had, we had an issue, I think, we could talk a little bit about our issue. We had an issue in that the man who founded the organization resigned just as we were kind of coming on to the start of it. And so there's a real allegiance. She mentioned Glenn Martin, who Stephanie feels great admiration for, and I just absolutely love. He's a dynamic individual, and suddenly he wasn't there. And so we were that first fellowship that – Wow, that was – we had to work through that, and Mm -hmm. it took a year almost to do it, Mm -hmm. didn't
3: it? It did, and I have to give a lot of kudos to the staff of the organization, specifically Ronald and Alumni Outreach, for really keeping us all intact. I do think it – you know, if there are silver linings to these kind of things, it is that our class was then extremely close. And, you know, to just sit in a room full of people where you can really be yourself and say your biggest insecurities and feel supported anyway is life changing. And so the whole model of getting folks together who have had common life experiences and letting them share best practices and share their insecurities and experiences Mm -hmm. to use that to make everyone better and empower people to be better. Um, the model itself, I think, is is well, truly transformational.
0: We, we followed a leader, David Mensah, who's an executive coach kind of out of Seattle, who did it so well under such difficult circumstances. And he's just a talented, unbelievably talented man anyway. Mm-hmm. And to thrust us into there. And the quality I learned from him, I think one of the strongest ones, is the ability to wait for somebody to figure it out. Because we would sit in – he sits in these sessions where – he would ask me a question or stuff or anybody for that matter. And then everybody else around us would want to answer the question. And he would just say, no, 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 no. Mark will get it. Mm-hmm. Stephanie will get it. And, uh, it's very difficult to do. do mm-hmm. Does that, a-
3: well, I've been very fortunate in my agriculture career to be part of professional development organizations mm-hmm. and experiences. I've always worked for managers and now I believe I am a manager that believes in the development of people. Um, so part of me thought it might be another experience like that and to say that it was different and more is is truly doing a disservice to the experience because David Mensa's training and what he was able to pull out of us and make Absolutely. us realize about ourselves you can't put a price tag on. You can't even really I can not I find it hard to articulate frankly.
0: Well, and that's uh, that's why I'm so glad you're here because it's like almost we're spending the whole show on it and I'm okay with doing that because it's like I, we sent I sent five people to Phoenix that I wanted to catch fire with that. And one of them got sick and couldn't make it. Uh, But um, it's like it didn't work with the other four, and they just didn't see quite what. And then I'm going to send five more to Alaska this year so that I hope that they get that situation because I want somebody from Idaho to see this, what we've gone through, and to see how changing it is. To me, I look at myself and I say, can't even believe I'm not even near the same person that I was when I started this process. And I owe that in part to the, the things that were put in motion for me to be there and the experience of you know taking the crazy Christian from Idaho and, and throwing him into this group in New York City, which are a very diverse group of people uh, and uh, putting me in that, that entity, if you will, and then watching what happens. And for somebody like David to see The diversity of all of us, and I mean, I cannot say how diverse in terms of personalities, in terms of how they interact with the world and the styles, Mm -hmm. and to bring us all together was just dramatic and and awesome to watch. It should have been on tape. The whole thing should have been on tape.
3: I totally agree. I wish um, I took copious notes, but I almost wish I would have been better about writing down certain things that people said, because not only was David truly insightful and many of our panelists and speakers... But the things that our classmates said Absolutely. that I don't even think they realized were no, so I profound. I know they don't. Yeah. I know
0: they don't. And I think that's the cre- the great thing about the situation was is that we're thrust into the situation where we don't know our own potential and then it starts to develop. And I see it now. And now to try to take some pieces of that and work with the staff around me or to, to, to motivate – and I'm talking to you, Idaho – to motivate you to say – you know, we really can change this system here in Idaho. And all it takes is you and the heart to want to do that and step up and let legislators know that this is a, this is a goofy sort of system. And let's do a you know a blue panel uh, insight from a senator or something like that where we look at the the correction system. You're listening to my voice. I can tell you that the Department of Corrections wants us to do this. It's broken. They know it's broken. And they need people to step up and do it. And how I motivate people or how I encourage people to come forward is a a perplexing yet overwhelming task, I think, at times, because nobody in government can do it.
3: Well, I truly believe this in my heart and soul. There are people that have been working on issues of justice and equity in the system for decades and lifetimes. And, you know, I've been paying attention and involved for about 15 years. And so if you think about that, that's a really small amount of time. But the amount of change... And the changing of the narrative that has occurred in that short amount of time is truly inspiring. And so I would just say to your listeners, you will be listened to, Mm -hmm. you will be valued and your experience can actually really be used to help, you know, uh, Future people and families um, that are impacted by the system. I, I truly believe we are at a very unique point in time in justice reform, um, and I just think that we've—it's a—it's a great time to be in this space. It
0: really is a great time to be in this space. And it's hard for me to say. I know that there are steps, and I have to understand those steps. And even though those steps look small to me, uh, there's still steps. And but for instance, uh, we trained twenty-five people this year to go and talk to legislators, which has never been done before. And uh, we made little or no progress in a, in a legislature. We couldn't even get ban the box to a hearing. Um, and, but we now have a groundwork for what we do That's next right. year. And uh, cause we have a part-time legislature, uh, le- legislature here. So it's real difficult to get to them. And I've said this on the air before, but I'll share this with you. It's like, I almost see my life as educating everything. I do educates people. I pick up somebody from prison And I'm attempting to educate them on what they're doing. And as I go through the day, funders or people who come into the office, I'm educating. And at the other side of the spectrum, when I sit down with a state elected official, I'm still educating them too. The thing that's surprising to me is that the legislator knows about as much about the Department of Corrections as the man or the woman who just came out of the Department of Corrections, Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to fix it. Mm -hmm. No one knows how to fix it. But if you keep talking about it and if you keep bringing it up— Somehow we're gonna, you know, they're eventually gonna say, let's let's talk about this. Why do we spend this much money on this? And why are there so many people in this system? Tell me about this indeterminate sentencing thing. What is this? Why is there no good time in the state of Idaho? And so, you have
3: to develop those relationships, and it do. takes time. It's it's not in the, um, it's not dissimilar from what I do in agriculture. And In agriculture, you know, a lot of times we talk about subject matter experts, whether it's about. You know, biology or plant breeding Well, guess what in this space directly impacted individuals and their families are the subject matter experts and people look to them for advice and, 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 and more all the time. And so, again, it's just it's time to take it by the reins and really take advantage of this. And I
0: think, again, what, what Stephanie alluded to, and, and I'm going to say it one more time, you're listening to me and you're driving around your own parole or you're on paper or you're off paper and you're succeeding. I need your voice. We need your voice. Your story is what changes people. And if I take your story to a legislator or to your own legislator, and you just sit down and have coffee with them, the next time something like this comes up from the Department of Corrections, they look at it just a little bit differently. They think, oh, this guy that bought me coffee or we had coffee, and this happened to him. Maybe I should ask a question. It's not just something that's automatic. And that's how it changes. That is really how it changes. So, And I, the thing that I can share and I think I want you to articulate is you get into this. This is a pretty neat high. This is better. I mean, I'm an addict. And this is a pretty powerful feeling when you get involved in this system and you see somebody start to change it. And you see how they react to that. It's pretty cool.
3: Absolutely. So there are many days that I get um, frustrated and maybe even a little down about progress maybe we're not making because with like you, sometimes I want to see and feel bigger steps. But then I look out at our classmates across the country and I look at right in my home state of Missouri and the small steps that are being taken are truly amazing.
0: You have a similar in what you did with your prosecuting attorney in St. Louis County. That is our issue here. It is really our issue here. You took a Uh, a dye-in-the-wool prosecuting attorney that had been doing things his own way for whatever, and he was upset in election and changed the direction of uh, how people prosecute people in St. Louis County, right? Absolutely. And that is exactly what happens here in Idaho. I was, you know, I don't know how much Janos had to do with that, uh, one of our associates, but, um, you know, that was real powerful to watch, to see that with knowledge, with insight, a community can be motivated to change the whole direction. Mm
3: Mm-hmm it the prosecutorial change we've seen just mm-hmm. in the St. Louis region in the last couple of years has been almost astonishing but really promising and they're walking the walk. You know, they say a lot of things during campaigns yeah. but these guys are actually walking the walk and I think it's because they feel accountable. They are going to be held accountable. And um so it's been it's exciting to see.
0: Yeah, and I think um there's also a doing the right thing has a powerful result. And so I think you if you start doing the right thing, you're doing the right thing for the right reasons. Then you see that change, and you can um, gain the, the satisfaction that's better than almost anything else in the world. So that's kind of cool. Um, what else can we talk about? Uh, our class of – we call them uh, hashtag LWC2018. Talk about that class. I, it is really – we've joined a i i say a fraternity of sorts in terms of it. we can i can call upon anybody in any any of the years that have gone through mm-hmm. and they'll respond immediately and know me because of because of that group is do you find that same thing
3: Absolutely. So we have everybody from, you know, award-winning journalist to, um, people who like me have different kinds of day jobs, but are doing all kinds of things, making real change behind the scenes. We have a musician, um, that is literally bringing his story and the the possibilities of things, you know, what you can do in your life after you've served. Um, and everything in between, we have people who solely work on legislation, we have people who've started nonprofits, and um, the learnings that you can derive from that variety is.
0: And Tara's um, story is about to become a television movie oh gosh, or something like yes, that. Yes,
3: yes. Yeah. We're about to probably know some pretty famous people once we
0: We really days. do. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Just hang around these people, man. It's going to be kind of cool. Right. So I'm, I'm excited about that, too. And there is a 2019 group that there's a couple people in that group that uh, I met the John Connors from uh, Las Vegas at one of uh, Glenn's speeches in Milwaukee, and he was powerful then. So I can imagine with a year with, um, you know, David Mensah, what he will be after that. There's some really neat people in the class of 2019, too. So it's absolutely kind of cool. Where do you think just leadership goes, you think, for without – now Glenn's out and Deanna Hodgkins is in as the new director. Where do you think that goes?
3: Well, I have to say this. So when when something happens like the founder um, leaves, things can go one of two ways. And frankly, our year was the year that they were going to be kind of making or breaking it. I almost seemed
0: like we were part of it, kind of.
3: Yeah, we were kind of witnessing history. And I think they've they've made it to the other side. Mm -hmm. And um, granted, I pay attention to these issues, so I follow all the different organizations, but... I really just sense their presence in the space and their leadership in the space. And I can tell you that, you know, with a nonprofit, you just never know where that's going to land. And so I feel really good about their future. I'm thrilled that I am some small part of their alumni network and that I get to stay plugged in.
0: Yeah, I think that's – and um, I think – if you don't know that, their hashtag is half by 2030 So their commitment, uh, Glenn's dream, and the continued dream of the organization is to have half the people uh, incarcerated in the, the nation uh, cut that number in half by a year 2030. So that's a powerful thing to do, and I think they do that by doing what they've done in New York, basically, is to close the Rikers and to look at the parole system and change it totally, which is ironically what we need to do here in Idaho. So uh, it's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: I think one of the big things, and what we're trying to do in St. Louis, is we have a close the workhouse campaign yeah, going absolutely. on, kind of modeled after close Rikers, but pre trial, um, doing different things pre trial. the The workhouse is full of eighty to ninety percent people who've never been convicted of anything, yeah. but they it's can't post the way, bail. The way, the way
0: Rikers was, and so. In
3: the um, that between parole, um, pretrial, and just closing facilities and re-envisioning what prisons actually look like, mm-hmm. I think they started that movement, and it's caught fire.
0: Yeah, What keeps you motivated day to day?
3: You know, a lot of things. I tell people that I have two main passions in the world, um, aside from my family and my daughter, obviously, but it's agriculture and it's justice reform. And in a very interesting way, those worlds collide, right? There's a lot of opportunity for people to go to work in the agriculture industry when they are returning citizens. Um, my industry is a group that says, you know what, if you come here and you work hard every day, I don't really care what your, what your yeah, background is. Absolutely but also um
0: especially here in idaho
3: cannabis and medical marijuana and those kinds of things present real interesting ways for my two worlds to collide
0: in this world well not in idaho it's not gonna happen
3: it's it's just an interesting place where my worlds are kind of colliding and so i i am truly inspired and motivated by changes that are happening on the ground in the space of justice reform
0: that's cool listen uh it is so nice to have you here uh even though you went to the University of Missouri. <laughs> uh, and I'm so happy that you came and kind of shared with us. Uh, we're going to be, she and I are good friends, and uh, we will be good friends forever, I hope. And um, we'll look forward to having you back as you get successful and uh, we, we work together.
3: Thank you, Mark. Y'all are doing great work
0: here yeah, in We're Idaho. excited. We're excited because we got good people like you on our side. We'll be right back.
1: You will know the vision. You will know saved us. You will know
0: Okay, as you can tell, even though she's a Missouri Tiger, she's a sweet lady, and there are people in my family and where I went to school that would never hear me say that before, but <laughs> she's a Missouri Tiger. If you need to get more information about her or about what she does, you can reach out and get in contact with me. And I am easy to reach at www.systemicchangeofid.com or you can write me an email at systemicchangeofidaho at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. Instagram is Systemic Change of ID. You can actually call me on the phone at area code 208 Look forward to seeing you and talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over